Praise God. Everybody declare this with me. I am spirit first, created in the image of my heavenly father. I am spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Praise the Lord. We haven't said that for quite some time, but I really am about the spirit, both capital S and little s. Because we are spirit beings first before we're anything else. We are. And it's so important that we flip the coin, that we turn the perspective or enlarge the perspective to the spirit realm. Somebody might say, brother, you sound a little bit on the cusp of new age talking about such things. But the reality is Jesus said to the woman at the well, A time is coming and has now come that they, the true worshipers that worship him, must worship him in and in truth, in spirit and in truth. And if Jesus said that to the woman at the well, how much more today are we in a time and dispensation that we must worship him in spirit and in truth? Why? Because we have been liberated to do such. Because we have been, if we'll accept Jesus... And his sacrifice, if we'll allow ourselves to, when the Holy Ghost moves upon us, to be drawn and to accept and to walk in that truth, we become created after his likeness, spirit first, energized and revived again in full and complete intimate contact with God at all times, but it's a spiritual reality. I don't know about you, but I don't think about God all the time because a lot of things get my attention. And they're not God. I don't know about you, but my physical body doesn't always feel just wonderful. Amen, brother? You got a pain every once in a while. You got a symptom every once in a while. That's not God. But I know one thing. I can always turn to the reality inside of me, spirit, who is now the home of the living God. Amen. We are the temple. And so what we do is, is we enlarge our perspective to gain understanding here first and become sensitive here first and listen here first and see here first before anything else. Amen. And that's what we're doing. That's how you get revelation from the word of God. You know, and so, uh, you know, I leaned over to my mother-in-law this morning whom I haven't seen for quite some time. And I said, I feel like I haven't seen you in about a year. And she said, that's your fault. You know, I can hear God say that to me. Amen's right, sister. You know how many times that we look over and God's right there with us having never left us. And it's like, God, you've been there. He's like, that's your fault. Your presence is awesome. That's your fault that you didn't experience it before. Because I've been here all along. <laughs> that was good. I, I just, it challenged me. Relationship is a two-way street. Amen. It's a two-way street. And I got to tell you what, both lanes are open as far as God's concerned. Okay, so we're talking grace. We've been in a grace mode of, and theme in terms of, of uh, focus in a series here. So let me, uh, let me get my notes straightened out. And yesterday we had a little meeting of the, of the kind of the front of house ministers and we were trying to decide where we're going to head next and... and uh, I told him, I said, I'm, I'm happy to finish up a little bit of what I didn't get to finish last time. I had a lot of notes that I didn't get to finish from last time, but the Holy Ghost led us down a really neat path. We learned about the reality of God's presence at all time. How many of y'all were here? You remember that analogy? Was that good? Did that bring revelation to some people? Have you kicked that door open by faith? 
to the spirit realm, to his right now absolute presence, the reality of him being with us right now. It doesn't take a bunch of songs. It doesn't take us getting together. It takes us at any time by faith kicking that door open and and saying, your presence is here right now. You are here, God, right now in my temple. Amen. So we talked a little bit about that, and then we moved into some more elements to develop the concepts of grace that we're talking about. And how many of y'all remember the golden text? Y'all remember that over in Romans? There it is. I hear some people quoting it. Remember Paul over in Romans? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's what? It's power. And you recall we talked about how you can literally just change that word grace out and put the word power in. Because that's exactly what Paul equates grace to. Power. And you can look in many other scriptures where he's talking about grace and power in the same verse even. The power of God and the salvation. Okay, and so we talked, we've talked about several different aspects. And I'll, I'll remind you where we left off. I'm not going to go back and do any, really any review at all. Because I want you to go back and avail yourself of the uh, podcasts or the MP3s that are available on the web. I, I want to just put a shout out to Kalen and folks that work to get very hardly to get that kind of stuff made available to you, please avail yourself of it. There's some tremendous things out there, and I've, got to, I've also got to get a shout-out to the Women's Conference podcast that I've listened to a couple of. There is some incredible stuff out there. Amen. Go out there and listen to some of those lessons. There's some really, really good information out there, some good teaching. Okay, so you'll recall last time maybe that we ended talking about taking a grace survey. Do any of y'all remember this? We ended up talking about and having you go through a grace survey. So really a survey of the power of God in your life because grace equals power. And so we wanted to take that grace survey because we, we had a backstory and a context built for what grace really means. And what it accomplishes for us. And so we needed to stop and think to ourselves, now where are we at in relation to that, to that knowledge? Is it revelation to us? Or is it just knowledge? And we just acknowledge that, yes, I've heard that before. It sounds great. It's a wonderful story. But is it not really applied to us? And so taking a survey to see exactly where you're at with respect to what's applied, the applied part of that knowledge And you remember, we talked about aspects of this grace survey. It's about, you know, four or five things here. I feel like the Lord gave me. You know, the first question was, because we're going to take this again. I want to start out with this. When you approach God, what is your usual mindset or focus? When you approach God, what is it that you're thinking about? I'm just saying day in, day out, one hour to the next, whenever you think of God, when you approach him, what is your typical mindset? Is it immediately sin? Is sin always with you when you, t- when you approach God? In other words, your mind is thinking about where you failed, how you've missed the mark. Is it about how you don't measure up? Is it a question that here I am again, God? Do you see where I'm, what I'm saying? Here I am again. How many, how many of y'all but me have done that before? Okay, so I've got a few company out here, right? Oh, yeah, you approach God and the first thought in your mind is forgive me, God. Forgive me, I'm not worthy. Well, that's true, you're not worthy, but in and of yourself, but because of Jesus, because of his blood that I have accepted the right of access unto him through that precious blood, hallelujah. I can approach the throne of grace and receive mercy to help me in my time of need. That's what the word says. At any time, it says, and in fact, Paul says to approach the throne of grace with confidence. And that's exactly what I'm asking in this inventory of grace. When you approach God, is it with a failure in mind? Is it from a context of, I'm here again, God, to admit my failures? The second question to ask in terms of inventorying your real applied knowledge of grace the context of grace in your life in terms of application how do you approach him then so when you approach god what is your mindset but how do you approach him 
Do you approach him in unworthiness? Do you approach him with anxiety and fear and trembling? Not from a perspective of disrespect for him, but for, la- for fear of punishment. For fear of retribution. Do you know how many people approach God with that mindset? Thinking they're going to get smacked down, slapped, hit and beat down, judged? Do you approach him only in circumstances? Do you approach him only when things feel just right? You've got to get to a place to where you've got to work it up, so to speak. The third thing to ask with regard to taking a grace inventory, which is really saying to yourself, I'm inventorying the application of the power of God in my life. So the third question you might ask is, and this is what the Holy Spirit gave me, so it's thus saith Greg, okay? But I feel like this is a good way to inventory the application of God's power in our life and grace. What do you usually say to God when you come to him? You know, how you, what's the focus of your prayers day in and day out? Is it forgive me, Lord? Is that the first thing that you say and that's the focus? Is it save me, Lord, save me? Is it heal me, God? Is the focus about a need, always about needs? Is it about give me, give me, Lord? Is it about help me, help me, Lord? And I'm not telling you that you shouldn't come to God and ask those things, but I'm asking you, is that your only focus? Is that the majority of what you do whenever you come to God and you pray? And I would say to you that if any of the above is true, and we're talking about taking a grace inventory, then I would say to you definitively, you need a a revelation of grace. You need to ask God. You need to grow in the knowledge of the power of God in you for salvation. Body, soul, and spirit. And you know, we talked about how the, one of the most iconic songs of the church age is what? Amazing. And yet the thing is, is that as, as good as that sounds and as many people that can sing that song that have no concept of what really that song is mean, means, that have no personal application because many people that have sang that song don't even know the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet they will sing that song because it sounds beautiful and because it has association with things that people hold in in reverence and awe and so forth. And it has an association to church and religion and that kind of thing. And I think it's wonderful. But how many of us, it's one of them things you acknowledge, you have a form of godliness, but you deny the very power thereof. Because that's what that song is about. It's about the power of God. That's what it is. When Paul was talking about grace, he said about grace that it was the power of God for salvation. So grace equals power. So amazing power. Amazing power. How sweet the sound. Amazing ability of God. How sweet it is to talk about that, to sing about that. But yet how many people have sung that song and they don't, it's not even been applied. They haven't even taken the first step in receiving and activating the faith that God will give you as a gift to receive that power. But it's interesting to me, Amazing Grace, it's, so, it's such an iconic song, isn't it? Okay, so let's move on. Realize your position. When you take this inventory and you say to yourself, you ask yourself these questions and you ponder and you consider where I'm at with respect to the, apply, the application of God's grace, my revelation, my, not just my understanding, but the enlightenment that causes me to do something. Because Jesus said it's not about the words that are in you only, it's about what you do with them. Right? He said, be ye doers of the word and not just hearers only. So we're talking about the doer aspect of this knowledge. So we realize our position and then what we do, we turn away from it toward the grace of God. So if you're in a place that the grace, you've, you've taken that inventory and you're saying to yourself, oh my goodness, it hit the mark with me. I'm sin conscious only. I can't get past the weakness. I can't get past the frailty. I can't get past my failures. It's just sin. It's failure. It's constant groveling. It's that, that kind of mentality with God. It's time for you to repent. It's time for you to take, and that all that means is, is turn from the direction you're going and go an opposite direction. That's all it means. Turn from it and go the opposite direction. Be reconciled. 
Be reconciled means to be met again with something that you formerly had association with. If I have odds with my wife and we leave each other for a little bit, when I come back to her, I'm reconciled to her. That's what reconciled means. Be reconciled unto grace. Because grace started your relationship out with God. And it's exactly what Paul said when he said, it is for freedom you've been set free. Who stepped in here and and perverted the concept and got you on another gospel? There is no other gospel but the gospel of grace. Hallelujah. There is no power to come into God and to live for him except but by his power that he gives you. Listen to what Paul says. He spoke clearly regarding others who allowed themselves to turn to a different power other than that of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Galatians 1.6 says. It says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. See, I stepped ahead of that. I hadn't even read ahead, but that's exactly what Paul says here in the scripture. I'm astonished that you who began this race, knowing the grace of God was what started it all out and empowered you to do it, you've turned from that power to fill yourself up on another thing. And it's powerless. It's leading you to naught. And he says, I'm astonished that you've deserted the one who, who called you to live in the grace. Did you know that God called us to live in this power? Not just to experience it once, but to live in it, to abide in it. But he says, I'm astonished because what you've done is you've turned to a different gospel, which I love what Paul says here is really no gospel at all. Because I don't know about you, but anything outside of Christ is not good news. Because it's going to be fraught with weakness. It's going to have an element of failure in it eventually. It's going to have an element of temporary concept in it, not eternal. Listen to what Galatians 5, 1 through 4 says. And we've talked about this scripture already. It is for freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And listen to what Paul says, the Holy Ghost through him. Stand firm then. He must be telling them to stand firm because there's some reason, there's something going on that is weakening their stance in this, that is is causing them to second-guess things. Amen? He's telling them, stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Paul is laying out here the absolute fact that if you will allow it, the nature and things that you came from before the power of the gospel, you can actually relegate yourself back to that again if you want to. Even having been set free and having started on the road from the power of God inside of you through his grace, you can choose to, just like he said, accept another gospel and go back. And folks, there is no other gospel. There is no other gospel except that of Christ. There is no other power that will get you to God except that of Christ. Listen to what Paul says in verse 2 of Galatians chapter 5. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. He's talking about an element of the law at that point in time that in that culture was something that signified you coming into relationship from a physical perspective with God because you had to be circumcised if you were a man. Okay? And it signified coming into the covenant relationship, legal entrance. And he's saying that 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 stuff has been done away with because of Christ. Now, there is nothing that you you can do of your own accord to come into Christ except receive what he's done. And so here in verse 4, or verse 3, he says, Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be relegated to that former way, in other words, lets himself be circumcised, that he has an obligation to obey the whole law. You can't just obey one aspect that you pull out and think is the best part, is the strongest part. Well, I'm going to ascribe myself to this because this is the strongest element. So if I can fulfill this, then I'm going to be good. Paul said, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Listen to what verse 4 says. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Do you all see that? Man, it's simple. 
It's simple. We can allow ourselves to literally be cut away from association or reconciliation in terms of this concept and the power, and what is that? The power of God in us for relationship with him, for right standing. So here's what we do. We ask God for a revelation. And this is what we're talking about. I should have started this out by saying that we're talking about walking in God's grace. We're talking about application, the applied principle of God's grace in our life. We took the inventory. We realized that there are aspects that we are weak in that we're missing, so we repent. We turn away from those. We turn back to the fullness of the gospel of Christ, not listening to the other gospels that we may have allowed to mix in with the true gospel and power of God for reconciliation in him. We get reconciled back into the gospel of Christ. And so here's the next step that you can take. You ask God for a revelation of the power of grace. In other words, a revelation is an illumination from the spirit of God to your spirit by way of the word of God that then brings enlightenment to your mind. That's what a revelation is. It's kind of a $10 word. It's really understanding is what it is. It's coming to a place that up here understands and comes in line with what's here and it causes an, it causes an effect. It's not just knowledge for knowledge's sake. It's knowledge that inspires action. That's revelation. If you really have a revelation of something, then you are inspired to action on it. It's not just for gee whiz and wonderment that we get revelations. And it, I mean, sometimes we do give revelations and guess what it does? It inspires worship. I fall on my knees and get even more uh, uh, thankful. And I put my nose in the carpet and I'm, got, I'm like, God, oh God, oh God, I didn't realize, I didn't realize. I, sometimes I'll get an aspect of his love and I'm like, oh my goodness, fall on your face. See, it inspires action. You know, an act of worship, an act of desire to thank him. That's one action, but there's many other actions. We're going to talk about that. So you ask God for a revelation of the power of, of, of his grace. And here's the thing, folks. It's not mental assent. It's not something that you just apply your mind to and ascend to attaining an understanding of it. It's something that you receive by way of the Holy Ghost through the word of God or by the word of God through your spirit. It's the spirit of man that's the candle of the Lord. That's what the word of God says. The candle, well, a candle brings light. Well, your spirit is the illuminator or flashlight that the Holy Ghost will work through by way of the word of God. What does it say in the scripture? The entrance of thy word brings, it brings light. Well, the entrance means not just when you read it on the page and it's entered yourself. It's the entrance of the revealed word of God to you that brings light. Talking about revelation. Man, I'm stepping right ahead of my notes. I didn't even look ahead, and that's exactly what I said up here. So it's spiritual knowledge. It's not mental one. And when you look at Paul, Paul received it that way, and Paul was a very learned man in the day. Listen to what it says here. You know what? This is my last page of notes. Can you believe that? Isn't that awesome? So many people are like, oh, man, thank God. Listen to what Paul says here in Galatians. And if you haven't gotten it by now, the entire book of Galatians is about this issue. In fact, I would invite you to go and read Galatians, particularly if you find yourself in a place that you're struggling with grace, because that church was struggling with grace. They were struggling between law and grace, law and grace, and the things they needed to do and forfeiting the grace in their life because of the, what they would do and losing their freedom. Go to, go to Galatians and read that book. It's excellent. Listen to what Paul says in verse 11, chapter 1. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I don't know about you, but I can get a lot of good, warm, fuzzy feelings from things that people tell me, but it's never going to compare to that which the Spirit of God delivers unto me. Hallelujah. And I've got to tell you this morning that, this, that the power of this grace that we're talking about, the power of gospel is a spiritual power. It's the essence of his energy and of his abilities to, uh, to work on your behalf. Hallelujah. And that's what Paul says here. He says, I'm telling you boys and girls, it's not of human origin. I 
don't care how smart humans might think they might be. It's foolishness in the sight of God. And he says there in verse 12, I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. And so too, you have to receive it by revelation from Jesus Christ, by way of the Spirit of God through his word. Because what is the word of God? Who was the word of God, capital W? It was Jesus. Hallelujah. So you receive it by revelation of the word. I'm feeling the preach come on me. And I got to tell you this morning that for us, it's no different. It still comes by Jesus through the word, capital W, by his spirit. Find the scriptures that deal with this and spend time meditating, focusing, rolling them around, chewing your spiritual cud, and then speaking them out. And I would invite everyone to, to look and to spend time reading through the book of Romans first and then the book of Galatians. Read through the book of, of Romans. Spend time meditating. Spend time asking the Holy Ghost to lead you and bring enlightenment and revelation in the book of Romans first. Then move to the book of Galatians and spend time there. Point number three here is that Paul prayed for others to receive it. So I would say to you, you pray to receive it. You know, you've taken that revelation or taken that inventory. You've realized that you've fallen short in some areas with regard to your understanding. I mean, applied understanding of grace. So now what you do is you actually turn. That's the first thing you repent. Then you ask to receive revelation through the word of God. So your, your mind can get enlightened to something that will inspire action. And then the third thing is you pray, you pray to receive it. Listen to what Ephesians 1, 18 through 21 says. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Here Paul is praying a prayer that you can fill your mouth with. I prayed this prayer a hundred times if I prayed it once over myself and other people. You pick up this prayer because it's an anointed prayer. And here's what you do. You say, I, Greg Clarkson, I pray that my eyes, that my eyes, the eyes of my heart would be enlightened. They would come to a place of understanding so that I may what? So that I may know the hope to which he has called me. Hallelujah. That I would know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And then the last thing here, and it should make everyone shout in this building, and his incomparably great power available for us who would believe. And if you go on to read that verse, it goes on to say, and that power is the very power that raised Jesus from the dead, that snatched him up out of hell. The most strongest part of darkness that could ever exist in a manner to repress and hold and oppress. And the very power that raised him up out of that pit is the power that's available to every single one. Hallelujah. Within the sound of my voice, and who would hear the word of God? Hallelujah. And I got to tell you, it says his incomparably great power. Well, that's a $10 word for there ain't no other power that's going to beat this. When we say incomparable, though, that means there is nothing that compares to that power. And that says it's available to those who would believe. And I've got to ask you a question this morning, and it's a very simple one. Would you believe this morning? If you haven't before, here's here's good news, folks. If there's ever good news, we can start now. Hallelujah. We can start now. Pray this prayer. Just say this. You don't have to go through and just be like all these $10 words in here. It just seems like such a rough and... Thing. It's like, where's the simplicity in this, Greg? Just pray this. Oh, dear God, open my eyes. Open my eyes so that I can come to a place that I will understand this concept so it will make me do, so it will inspire me to do something on it, to act on it, to use it. And so now we move on to the fourth thing. 
Now walk in it. So you've come to the place that you've asked, you know, you've repented. You've prayed, you've asked God, you've moved through the word of God and you've gotten some, gotten some revelation on this. Now walk in it. Now walk in it. So in other words, you have a role in this. And I love this phrase and I didn't come up with it, but I love it. Learn it, love it, live it. I don't know where that came from, but I love that phrase because that's what it's all about with regard to the kingdom of God. Learn it, love it, live it. I can hear Jesus saying that. I can hear Jesus saying that, learn it, love it, live it, boys, girls. And so here's how we do that. Here's how we learn it, love it, live it. Here's how we walk in it, if you will. We've gotten ourselves in a place now of understanding. We've gotten ourselves in the right direction because we've turned from the former direction that we were going that was the wrong way. And now we've got ourselves in a place that we're getting the light and we're asking God to lead us in what we're doing. And of course, he's gonna do that. And so now we're in a place that we're going to walk this out. We're walking out the power of the salvation of God in our lives. Hallelujah. First thing, get in the yoke. Get in the yoke. And I have Y-O-L-K here, and that's wrong. It's Y-O-K-E. That's what spell check will do for you. I'll blame it on spell check. But I got to tell you what, this is yoke because it's the focus of nutrients of the, of the power of God here. The grace message is. It's the yellow of the egg. It really is. I don't know about you, but I take a lot more yellow in my egg than white. Because that's where the flavor's at. That's where the nutrients are at. Listen to what Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is red letter in my Bible and yours. These are the words of Jesus, the master. And he says, take my yoke, Y-O-K-E, because he spelled it right. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and I'm humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Is anyone in here this morning at a place that they can say, raise their hand, both hands, both feet and say, I need a little rest right now. And listen to how he says this, because when it comes to finding that rest, how do you find it? You take up, you get in the yoke. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And all a yoke is, is something that hooks you up with something. And I got to tell you what, there's too many of us sitting in here this morning, myself included, that are hooked up with the wrong things. Because I don't know about you, but Jesus is saying, get in my yoke, because guess what happens if you got a big old bruising 1,200 pound, you know, bull, ox, and you put my 500 pounds of strength in that yoke with that 1,200 pound, guess what's going to happen? If I'm a, if I'm a bull ox, he's going to pull me along. Huh? Whose strength is it's going to be pulling the plow? Is it going to be mine or his? Whose strength is it going to be making the, the calls as far as where we're going to turn, where we're going to go? Is it going to be me or him? Hallelujah. I just, I don't know about you, but I just kind of just keep my feet moving and say, yeah, we're working hard. Yeah, we're working hard, brother. Because Jesus is pulling them, pulling the weight. Hallelujah. Did y'all get a little light on that this morning? When he says, take my yoke or get in the, take my yoke upon you, my burden's easy. He's saying, get into him. Get hooked up with him. Well, what is the him here? We're talking about the concept of the power of God and the salvation. Get in with that, yoked up with that power. Hallelujah. So, so get in the yoke. That's point number one on how we walk in this. Point number two, you meditate on his grace day and night until it becomes first nature, not third, fourth, fifth, or tenth nature, but it's the first thing. Whenever you approach God, it's already here. You're approaching God through the power of grace, not something you have to leverage up after you spend some time with God, but it's something that you realize is the actual avenue and foundation upon which I come to God. Hallelujah. So you meditate on it day and night until it becomes first nature for you. You 
reprogram your mindset. You reprogram your perspective. In other words, how you see things. You turn that around. You reprogram it. And here's the thing about reprogramming is you can't reprogram anyone's mind without knowledge. You reprogram it with knowledge because why? You're changing something that they've known and associated with before with something else. When you reprogram a computer, you're taking the code that brings instruction to drive that machine to a desired output and replacing it with another set of instructions that will achieve another desired output or outcome. That's a program. Is that right, Han? I saw Han relate to that. (laughs) But here's the simple truth of things, folks. It takes knowledge of the truth. Here's the deal. You reprogram your mindset and your perspective, but what do you reprogram yourself with? This knowledge. But here's the thing that I want you to understand. If you don't get anything from now today, will you walk away with understanding about this scripture that has been that has been butchered, has been misquoted so many different ways, and it's so simple, and we've missed the, it can't see the, the nose on playing, is playing on your face. You know, John 8, 32 says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. How many of y'all ever heard that? Whose words were those? That's right, they're Jesus. Red letter in my Bible and yours. That's Jesus' words. But here's the reality, and the way oftentimes people will say, you know, you get the truth, and the truth will make you free. But the reality is, it's the truth you know that sets you free. It's not the truth. You can get all the truth and information crammed into your head till it becomes a big old puff of dough. You remember what that verse says? I told you all about the last time I preached. We talked about how knowledge puffs up. And what did Jesus talk about? Watch for the yeast of the Pharisees because what does yeast do to dough? It puffs it up because of the action of the microbial activity in that yeast. To release gases as it digests sugars and things. I give that shout out for my brother who's an organic chemist. And it causes that dough to puff up and to occupy a greater volume, but the mass is no different. It looks big, it looks great and grand, but as soon as I take my finger and poke it in there, it goes pew. And that's what we need with the word of God. We need the pen and the sword of truth to come in and poke our big old puffs of dough that we call our enlarged understandings. And say, God, take, reduce me back down to the substance of where I really am and give me understanding. It's the knowledge of the truth that sets us free, not just the truth. You can hear it, you can hear it, you can hear it, you can hear it, but until you know it, it will not set you free. You want to know why you don't see the fruitfulness of the word of God in your life? Because you don't know it. And I'm talking to me now, too. My fingers are more fingers pointing back at me than the ones going out here. That's right. We don't know it. It's the knowledge of the truth that sets us free, not just hearing the truth. That's why Jesus says it's not just what you hear. It's what you do. But your doing has got to be inspired from something that you have been convinced of. Oh, and you set forth and do it. Okay. So the third point, put on the new nature created and sustained by grace. What I'm doing here is I'm showing there's two sides of the coin, just like Paul did, because he had a tremendous struggle. The grace message has a tremendous burden with it, because guess what comes with it? Religious Religiosity, uh, the opinions of religion to look at it and discount it, because they, it's, and it's, all it is is pride is what it is. Because they're looking at that, and they're not willing to accept that there's nothing that that person can't do. To, to earn at least a part and value in what's happening. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Knowledge puffs up. What does it say? It says that the humble receive grace, but what does God do to the proud? He resists them. He resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you want the power of God, then you submit everything, including your knowledge. As you sit here right now and you say, God, whatever's not right, help me get it out of here. Stab your pen in there and let's puff it down and get it down to the real substance here. It takes the knowledge of the truth to put on that new nature, created and sustains. Point number three. So let's, let's, how do we do that? Let's put to rest the sin issue. 1 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. 
All this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And what is that ministry, folks? It's quite simply this, that God is not counting your sins against you. So let's put to rest, if we've got it inspired by the word of God through Paul here telling us that we've been out given that message to go and preach, people have made a lot about the ministry of reconciliation, and all it is is going to people and telling them, come and be restored unto relationship with God because that which separated you before is no longer there. In Christ, it's removed, hallelujah, and the handwriting of ordinance and judgment has been nailed to the cross once and for all, hallelujah. So put to rest the sin issue. Let the grace or the power, remember, take that word grace and just put power of God, train you to do the right things as a matter of new inner nature, not an outward work. You know, because I've been asked the question, well, you're talking about grace, Greg, and so are you saying that we have no role, that we don't have to do anything? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is, is the things that you do, do, what is the motivation is the motivation, is it, do you take an inventory of that? Is there any inkling of motivation that has something that smells of earning, merit? Amen. You see what I'm saying? If it does, then it don't pass the smell test of grace. So you let the grace or the power of God train you to do the right things. Because no, just like Paul did said, and he had the religious leaders counter him and buffet him constantly about this message. And was like, well, are you we're not supposed to do anything? Do we just give, are we just given a license to sin with through grace? And today the same question's being asked. Well, you're saying grace, grace, grace. So we, we can just do what we want to do because we're covered. We're under the blood. We have his power at work on our behalf. We can't do anything to earn it, Greg. So it's easy, you know. We can just do what we want to do and the grace is always there for us to fall back on. No. <laughs> Quite simply, no. Listen to what Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says. Man, I'm giving you a lot of scripture today, but I do not apologize for that because the scripture is where you should be grounded. If you can't find it in scripture, forget it. If you don't have a foundation in scripture for anything that's being taught or being said, forget it. So listen to what Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. Does everyone listen? You don't have to turn over there. You were taught with regard to the way you used to do things to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Verse 23 in chapter 4 of Ephesians, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So here's the reality of what part and role you play. Here's the part and role you play. Moment by moment, you get in the garments of who you are in Christ through the power of this message. You have to deny the nature on the outside that wants to try to overcome the new nature on the inside in whom you've been created to be be like him. And you have to do what? Put off the old self with its deeds. Put on the new nature who's being renewed in knowledge after the likeness of him who created it. And let me tell you, that that is a process, that is an action that never stops. I, at 46 years of age, having been filled with the Spirit when I was 15 years old, never fallen away from God from a perspective of falling into sin and, and, and walking away from God. Yeah, I've had my ups and downs with the Lord. I've had stronger times with Him than I've had at other times. But I've not known a time in my life that I've been in rebellion against the Lord. I, through that time, still to this day, when I wake up in the morning, I have to look at myself and say, Oh God, but for the grace of God go I. Without your grace, oh God, I can't do this. I'm going to fail, God. I don't have the strength to live this out in in and of myself. But for the grace of God, I can go. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. And there are men and women here who have lived a lot longer than me that have the same testimony and will tell you more vehemently than I can tell you this morning the very same message that it takes the grace of God. Hallelujah. So how do you do this? It's an act of your will. You say to yourself, uh-uh, I'm, I'm taking off my old nature. I'm not listening to the old nature. 
I'm putting on. And really what it is, you're, you're constantly reviving and creating in your mind a new attitude. You're enlarging the perspective and you're bringing understanding from here of the reality here. That's what you're doing until you become, you know, conformed to it. So no, you're not exempt when you receive the power of grace. In actuality, let's look what Titus 2, 2, 11 through 12 says. For the grace of God, listen to this, everyone. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. It trains us. It trains us to reject godless ways and worldly desires and to live self-controlled and godly lives in the present age. Right there is the sum total of what I just said a while ago. The fact and reality of God's grace at work in your, inside of you can be measured by the degree to which you allow it to train you to say no to worldly desires, to put on the new nature and to live out the reality of the kingdom of God inside of you. Hallelujah. That when Jesus talked to people and he said, I tell you, the kingdom of God is at hand. That is because it's within your grasp at all times. As soon as you can and as quick as you will, turn to the inside of you and allow it to come out. Hallelujah. See, the grace, the power of God here, it trains us. It doesn't exempt you. It trains you to live a godly life. And the difference is this. The law that was done away with from the outward perspective wasn't done away with from a perspective of spirituality in terms of its essence because the law is truth. It is. But here's the reality of it. The law is now not an outward law. It's one of the heart. It's one of the heart. How can you say that, Greg? Well, because listen to what Hebrews chapter 10 says. Verse 16 This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Right there, I could sit and preach on this for weeks, this one burnt passage, because what this is talking about is the the reality of what that law was before becoming something that comes up with inside of you to to motivate you to live the power of, of the gospel. And I mean, it's the power of gospel that allows you to live it. That's what I get at. I put the cart before the horse, but y'all see what I'm saying. But it's the law that is no, it's been done away with from the fleshly perspective in terms of your having to live under that ordinance and those regulations. But the thing is, is the spirit of the law has been put inside of us. It's been written on our hearts and it's written on our mind. It's been put in our hearts, written on our minds. That's the perspective of revelation. Put in your heart, written to your mind. Put in your heart, written to your mind. That's revelation. That's a process of revelation. So in other words, he's saying that this covenant that he makes with us now is going to be based upon not an outward law that has actually been fulfilled by Christ, but is going to become something that is a pervading guide with inside of you. Hallelujah. And the last point, and we're done. Stand firm in it. Stand firm in it. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to wrap this whole thing up with the Galatians chapter 5, 1 through 4. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And I want to just end with, with that. That's the last part of my notes. I want to end with that thought. I want to challenge each and every single one of us here by way of the same spirit that inspired Paul to write when he wrote to the Galatians church and he said, it is for freedom that you've been set free, not to be enslaved again to another yoke of bondage. You've been set free to be free, hallelujah. And he said, stand firm then. Would you all stand with me this morning? Oh, Father, we just praise and just thank you, Father, for the reality of Christ in our life. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's the anointed one and his anointing in us that is our confident expectation for your presence. And God, we declare with our own mouths 
by an act of our will and our heart and, and belief in our heart that we recognize and acknowledge the power of God with inside of us. Hallelujah. Those that have accepted it. And those that have not accepted it, I invite you to come down right now and don't waste a moment and receive the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Within your life. It's very easy. Come down and receive this power for salvation. If you have not been identified with that, if you've not received that power, if the Holy Ghost is working within your heart right now, drawing you, this truth is drawing you, you say that you're outside the camp, then I invite you, come now and become part of the camp. Hallelujah. I want to give that invitation. And for the rest of us that are part of the camp, hallelujah, by way of the Spirit of God, oh God, enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Enlarge, Father God, our tent of knowledge, Lord God, applied knowledge, knowledge that can be applied and inspire action. Oh God, we just recognize that, Father, you have set us free and whom the Son has set free. The Word of God, capital W, is free indeed. We acknowledge this morning that by the Word of God and inspiration of the Holy Ghost, we are free. Hallelujah. We are free to live a life, hallelujah, that you have called and destined every single person in the face of this planet and in all of time space for good works, hallelujah. And we just praise and just thank you, Father, for that. And we acknowledge it. And we acknowledge Jesus as Lord. We acknowledge that he came and he fulfilled the law from the natural perspective so that if we would receive him, we could receive his victory and his fulfillment of that. And it would become something that would transform our inner nature and then become a driving force for our life from that point on. And we thank you and just praise you for that, oh God, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.